Hello and welcome to the February 2020 edition of Aeon's Retirement Market Update podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Ricky Marsh. Hopefully you're getting used to me by now. This is our first podcast of 2020, but I suspect February might be a little bit too late to say Happy New Year, so I'll just say welcome back. I've got a bit of a cold today, so sorry if I sound a little bit bunged up. I'm going to try not to sneeze all over the mic, or for that matter, on today's guests, who are James Mason and John McHugh. I'll be talking to them later about the very topical subject of pensions tax, but first we'll look at some pensions news from the last month, or two months, you get the idea. We had a general election on the 12th of December, which the Conservative Party won with a large majority. There was a minor government reshuffle after the election, but Guy Opperman has stayed on as Pensions and Financial Inclusion Minister, and Therese Coffey is still Secretary of State for Work and Pensions. We then had a Queen's speech on the 19th of December, and as expected, this introduced a pension schemes bill that was largely the same as the one we first saw back in October. They've tidied up some of the wording, but it still includes the same content on a framework for collective DC schemes, pensions dashboards, stronger powers for the pensions regulator, and the chair's statements for DB schemes. I won't repeat everything here, but you can listen back to November's podcast for more detail. The government's also announced that the next budget will take place on Wednesday the 11th of March. I'm not going to speculate about exactly what we might see in the budget, but we may well touch on some of that in today's interview. The Pension Protection Fund had a very busy week just before Christmas. On the 16th of December, the PPF published its final levy determination for the 20-21 levy year. This was mostly the same as the draft we saw in September, except for one change to the way they treat companies whose statutory accounts are pushed from a profit to a loss by, wait for it, GMP equalisation. Yeah, had to get it in there somewhere. Then on the 19th of December, the PPF issued its first consultation on plans for the next three-year levy cycle, which starts in 21-22. This looks at insolvency risk scoring, including changes to the way the scores are calculated and a new web portal being developed with Dun & Bradstreet, who have been reappointed to take over from Experian this year beta version of the new web portal's already been launched and this shows the impact of the changes being proposed for each employer. And the PPF have said that these changes would move over 60% of employers into a different levy band so it's well worth logging into the portal to see the potential impact for your scheme and make sure they're using the right data. This consultation runs until the 11th of February and then another two will follow in the summer and the autumn. As if that wasn't enough excitement... On the same day, the European Court of Justice published its ruling on the Bauer case. This case looked at the minimum level of protection required for employees whose employers become insolvent. The case related to a German pension arrangement, but the outcome is also relevant for the PPF. The PPF provides some protection to members of DB schemes, but it doesn't provide the full benefits that would have been paid under the member's original scheme. There were fears this case might force the PPF to provide full benefits to everyone, which would have led to big levy increases. However, the judgment didn't go that far, and instead it focuses on maintaining an overall income above a minimum poverty threshold, so the impact is likely to be smaller. There are also still question marks over whether ECJ rulings like this one will actually apply to the UK post-Brexit, and how this would actually be implemented, so it may be a while before we know what this all means in practice. Back in October... We told you about some recommendations from the UK Statistics Authority on the future of the retail price index and said the government would be consulting on these in January. The Chancellor has now announced that this consultation has been delayed and it will be published alongside the budget on the 11th of March. This is just the latest in an increasingly long list of things that haven't arrived quite when we were expecting them, including 
the first of the pensions regulators to consultations on DB scheme funding. It was at one point expected last summer and then it moved to early 2020. It now looks like that's coming in March. The um, accreditation process for professional trustees, which was originally due to launch last July, but then that got delayed until later in 2019 and now it's expected at some point this year. And HMRC's guidance on tax issues relating to GMP equalization, which was meant to be with us in December, but it's currently missing in action. Although now I've said that, they'll probably publish something tomorrow just to make me look silly. And finally, just a quick reminder that Aon's pensions conferences have now started. The first London conference is coming up on the 25th of February. And then we have Bristol, Edinburgh, Leeds, Birmingham, and a second London date all coming up in March. I have just heard, literally today, that David Fares, who's the Executive Director for Regulatory Policy Analysis and Advice at the Pensions Regulator, will be attending some of the conferences. So if you've ever wanted to put your questions straight to someone senior from TPR, here's your chance, and I'll include a registration link in the show notes. And if you'd like more information on this or any of this month's other news stories, I'll include contact details at the end. They say nothing is certain in this world except death and taxes, and the same applies to this podcast. I'm sure we'll get around to talking about mortality at some point, but today we're looking at the pensions tax regime, which has been getting a lot of media attention over the last few months. I'm joined by James Mason and John McHugh from Aon's pensions tax team, who I'm hoping could do a better job of explaining what's going on here than I would. So, James, pensions tax. Um, It's an area where we've seen lots of changes over the last decade or so, uh, but it's been about four years since the government last really tinkered with the annual and lifetime allowances. Before we get into the details, do you want to just summarise the the sort of current pensions tax landscape and the challenges that that presents? Yes, so in in 2006, the the government introduced the annual allowance and, and the lifetime allowance in an attempt to reduce the tax relief that was being given to high-earning individuals. And back in 2006, certainly with respect to the annual allowance, it was indeed those earning a significant amount of money that would be uh, impacted by the annual allowance. Since 2006, the annual allowance and lifetime allowance have steadily increased. And in fact, with the annual allowance drastically decreased, the most recent changes in 2016 introduced the concept of something called the tapered annual allowance, which added a significant amount of complexity onto an already complicated tax system. So this has generated a lot of um, tax issues for for individuals who are suddenly facing with significant higher tax charges than prior to these changes. And we've seen a lot of effort from employers as well as individuals to try and understand what these tax changes are. And certainly from an employer perspective, how they can help individuals understand, uh, pay those tax charges and also perhaps reconsider what their uh, benefit structures are towards those members. Whilst we generally concentrate on higher earning individuals, there are also some anomalies within the uh, the tax system that are affecting the lower paid as well. Okay, so um, John, James mentioned there the tapered annual allowance, which came in in 2016. I've seen in the press that's causing quite a few problems in the NHS pension scheme in particular. Can you give us some more background on what's going on there? This is a topic that's been making headlines in the national press over the last few months. Effectively, it's about a staffing crisis in in the NHS over this busy winter period. The problem is essentially that senior clinicians, that's generally consultants and senior GPs, Uh, They've been scaling back their working hours, or in some cases refusing to work overtime shifts uh, because of the negative implications of that work on their annual allowance. So it's all all due to the tapered annual allowance that James just mentioned. So broadly speaking, the taper applies 
to those people who have annual earnings between £150,000 and £210,000. And remember, for this purpose, we're looking at including the value of employers' pension contributions in that definition of earnings. So many NHS consultants find themselves in that earnings bracket where the taper applies. And what that means is that any overtime shifts that they work, that obviously increases their earnings, which in turn decreases their annual allowance. And that reduced annual allowance leads to increased annual allowance tax bills, despite the fact they haven't accrued any additional pension. So what it means is that by working that extra shift, if we consider income tax and annual allowance tax together, it means that many, in many cases, NHS consultants are incurring significant rates of marginal tax. We're looking at anywhere from about 60% to even more than 100% in some cases. So it's really not hard to see why these consultants wouldn't want to take on that extra work. Because of this, the government is consulting on how the annual allowance works, particularly for NHS workers, and we're expecting to hear uh, the outcome of that consultation in the budget in March. I think it's important to know that this tapering annual allowance is a real issue for not just doctors, but for all individuals earning above a certain amount of money. It happens that the with the doctors, they're cutting back their working hours, increasing waiting times. It's affecting essentially the man, the man on the street, which is why it's grabbing the headlines. But this can affect other workers in the public sector as well as a significant number in the private sector. Okay, so John, just coming back to what you said about the, the budget and the consultation, have you got any insight into what changes might be coming there? I mentioned that the government was consulting on changes for the NHS scheme. Uh, that consultation is complete and we're waiting for the, the outcome. But the primary focus of the consultation was basically to introduce more flexibility for doctors to manage the amount of pension they build up in any one year, essentially, so they can manage their exposure to the annual allowance. Uh, so under the proposals, uh, NHS staff would be able to choose to scale down their level of pension savings so that hopefully they fall below the annual allowance. And in exchange, they'll essentially receive a cash alternative instead, so effectively a bit of extra salary. Personally, I'm quite supportive of the idea. I think it's a good idea, and actually it mirrors the actions that have been taken by many private sector employers, where we've seen those employers offer employees more flexibility to manage the value of their pension savings and reduce their exposure to the annual allowance. So the consultation is mainly looking at greater flexibility for NHS staff, but it may also be wider than this. So there are some interesting quotes in the consultation. One of those is, the Treasury will review how the tapered annual allowance operates in order to support the delivery of public services. And should changes to the tax system be introduced, the department may revisit the need for flexibility within the NHS pension scheme. So it, it looks like they're, they're considering changes to the tapered allowance as well. I agree that the, uh, the pensions industry really is calling out for wider changes than just the tweaking of the tape annual allowance or a quick fix for the doctor's pensions and I don't think this can be ignored by the government. I appreciate a lot of time has been taken up with Brexit but hopefully with that the end to that is perhaps within sight now we might see greater focus on changes to the pensions tax system than previously. So if the government does change the taper have we got any insight into what they might actually do? Well yeah speculation is pretty rife and we're hearing quite a lot of rumours. Um, just to pick up one example in early January uh, the Times ran a story which speculated that the government would look to change the level of threshold income, increasing that from the current level of 110,000 to £150,000, uh, and that effectively determines who is subject to the taper and who isn't. It would effectively mean a tax cut for people in that 
bracket and it would bring a significant number of NHS clinicians out of scope of the taper. So to see why they might be looking at that, but realistically, I think there'd be quite widespread disappointment in the industry if this was the solution they come out with. It feels like a really short-term fix and actually it isn't really a fix at all. While it takes some people out of scope of the problem and actually it could lead to bigger cliff edges of tax, particularly for those who are earning around about £150,000, whereby if they take one extra shift, they could see an absolutely massive one-off tax hit from taking that shift. At the time of recording, that's the only real rumour that we've seen in the press in relation to what might be announced in the budget as to what other quick fixes could be considered if that's the route the government was going to go down, then perhaps reducing the standard annual allowance to a lower level and getting rid of the taper altogether might be one way of, of solving this current issue. But then it creates other issues because some people that currently aren't affected by the taper allowance could potentially be impacted by that lower annual allowance. As I said earlier, I suspect that any short-term fixed changes should come alongside wider-reaching changes or at least a, a consultation or discussion on, on making further changes down the line. Within the Conservative manifesto as well, there was commitment to try and resolve the one of the pensions tax anomalies that affect uh, lower workers as well. Yeah, so James, you mentioned that a bit earlier. What, what exactly is the issue for lower earners here? Because presumably they're not affected by the annual allowance in any way. Yeah, absolutely. These individuals aren't going to be impacted by the annual allowance or the lifetime allowance. This is a completely separate issue. And it relates to how an individual might make payments to their pension scheme. I won't go into the the details of it all, but there's two ways of paying into a pension scheme for members' contributions. It's one's through net pay and one's through relief at source. Under relief at source, there's an automatic uplift on account of tax relief. Uh, these individuals that are affected don't pay income tax. There's no requirement to pay back that tax relief. This tax relief doesn't exist under net pay. Using relief at source, all else being equal, will get a bigger pension contribution going into their pension compared to someone using net pay. So this obviously leads to inequalities depending on what an employer offers to an individual, how they can pay contributions into their pension scheme. And with the personal allowance having increased in recent years, this means that an increasing number of individuals are impacted by this anomaly. And going beyond that, in terms of issues in the tax system that might affect lower earners, we do regularly hear calls for wider reforms to the pension tax landscape. Most recently, we've seen this discussed quite widely back in 2015 with the government's green paper. Even more recently, we still see headlines quite regularly about mind-boggling amounts of tax revenue that's lost to the pensions tax relief, even though in reality, we know it's tax deferral rather than tax relief. But you do see these headlines and you can see why uh, the government might be massively incentivized to, to change the, the current system around in order to bring forward some of that tax revenue. So... We see all sorts of rumours about potential changes to pensions tax, be that moving to a flat rate of tax relief, rebranding of tax relief as a bonus, or even moving to a system where we tax upfront at the point of saving instead of taxing at the point of drawing your pension like we currently have today. Um, so whatever that is, it, it may not be in the very near future, but whatever it is, it would represent a redistribution of tax relief and that would affect everyone, not just higher or lower earners. So do you have any views on wider changes or improvements even that could be made to the pensions tax system? Yes, we'll definitely remove the uh, the tapered annual allowance. It is so complex, really hard for individuals to understand, 
really hard for them to actually work out what their tax charges are and it's for some it's impossible to actually not impossible but very difficult to understand what their tax charge for the year might be until that tax year so definitely address the tapered annual allowance issue in terms of the more radical changes that uh, could be considered and which john just mentioned they're generally known by three letter acronyms which we we do like as a, as a profession the idea of being taxed up front and then roll up being exempt from tax and being exempt in, in payment is known as tee a bit akin to an isa um, system and so from that perspective that could be quite attractive to in, individuals because they understand how that works and there are some certainly some merits to that system however whether with an aging population the government would want to tax everyone up front and not tax pension when it's an income might be a question that they'd want to consider so an another option is the incentivized option which which john mentioned and i'll refer to that as iet so incentivized contribution in so the idea would be that individuals would pay an or out of their net income and then the government would apply a bonus to that and that uplift would be the same for everyone so redistributing the pensions tax relief that's currently granted redistributing it down due to lower earners from higher earners this would then be exempt in payment and taxed on on the way out so this we think would could potentially be a great way to incentivize people to, to save more as they actually physically see this bonus payment being made both of those systems do actually require a radical change in processes to the existing ones and there's also questions as to how a defined benefit pension might fit into those systems so both have merits but again both have challenges and it's not going to be something that's implemented overnight it's going to be something that the government have to think long and hard about how to implement it another idea that i've seen which is suggested by the office of tax implication was actually keeping the lifetime allowance and keeping the annual allowance but only applying the lifetime allowance to defined benefits and the annual allowance to defined contributions this is an idea that's certainly grown on me since i initially read it but again it's that has its challenges as well as to what you do with individuals who have both defined benefit and defined contributions and how you could stop people gaming the system from accruing one benefit up to a certain limit and before accruing uh, the other type of benefit okay and are there any particular actions that we think employers should be taking on this now well really uh, for me i think it's just a case of watch this space uh, and see what the budget throws up in March. But in terms of the budget, we think it's a very real possibility that we'll see changes to the tapered annual allowance at that time. And we think it's a very real possibility that that will affect all individuals, not just those in the NHS scheme. Uh, whether we see wider reforms beyond that now or in the near future, I think that remains to be seen. feels to me unlikely it'll be in this March budget. But what we have seen over the last decade particularly around 2015 or 16 when the tapered annual allowance came in. What we saw was that many employers introduced greater flexibilities for employees to manage the savings themselves and potentially reduce those unwanted tax bills. So those employers that did take that action can probably take some comfort that they should be pretty well equipped now to deal with any further changes they see in the future. For those employers that have already taken action, I think it's a case of waiting and seeing what, what's going to be announced at the next budget. For those that haven't taken action, there is the possibility that the government might not do anything. If that is, if that does happen, I think it might cause a bit of uproar, but it means that we are stuck with the existing system and there are still employers out there that can do more to help their individuals or help their employees understand the implications of this complex tax system. There will be companies that have the same issues as faced by the NHS doctors. And it's just 
whether they have in place the correct communications and facilities to help those individuals that are affected by it. Right, well, we may very well be coming back to this topic at some point later on, but for now, we'll keep a very close eye on that budget. Thanks very much to both of you for coming in. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. Okay, that's everything for today. Assuming this cold isn't actually the coronavirus, I'll be back again next month. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to my guests, James Mason and John McHugh. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget you can subscribe to the series through all the usual places, including the Apple Podcasts app and Spotify, so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, or you want to feature in a future podcast, you can contact me on ricky.marsh at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com.